wanna ball out like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm on boots looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton. And he joins me on the other line, my guy, Osman Big, a.k.a. Oz, the, the, the Wizards thought provoker <laughs> and Twitter leader. What's up? OB2 Jazz for you. What's up, my guy? You know, How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to be glad to be back on the podcast. Had a great time uh, previously. Came out and met you a couple weeks ago at your event a few weeks ago. Had a great time there also. I'm just glad, glad to be back on, especially leading into the trade deadline. we got a lot, a lot of action going on. It's a good time to talk Wizards. Yeah, man, it's a great time to talk Wizards just because, you know, there, there's a, a lot of things going on in the Wizards Twitter sphere. Like, you know, last week was the conversation about Brad not making the All-Star team. And, you know, I've expressed my thoughts on that situation. And so, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about that here today. But what we will talk about is the Wizards falling to the the literally the worst team in the entire NBA. They took an L to the Golden State Warriors tonight, 125 to 117. And, and, and that eight-point margin is being a lot more generous as to, you know, what the, the, the real flow of the game kind of dictated. And it's like, how do you feel about the team, like, coming out and really kind of wetting the bed in a situation that was kind of tailor-made for them to, to get on this run? I, it's, it's definitely disappointing. I mean, you – I really thought they were going to go on – I mean, look, there's only so much of a run this team can go on because of some of their talent limitations, their personal limitations. But they had won two in a row. They they had some momentum going. Beal's been playing angry, more engaged on both on defense, and kind of been leading the way. So I thought this was going to be the start of at least. And they had a nice home stretch, and they do play well or better at home. So this was an opportunity to get what would have been their third win in a row. And the the schedule doesn't have anything anything too daunting on the horizon. I mean, they have games against the Mavericks, but Luca's not going to be playing in that one on Friday night. That they have the Grizzlies. Bulls, they have very winnable games on the schedule, all at home. This was kind of leading that. They could have really gone on like, hey, one five out of six or, you know, maybe four in a row, so, something to that effect. They could have, they could have made, some, uh, made, uh, made some progress, closed the gap between them and the eighth seed, not talking like if – not getting to the conversation yet as to whether or not getting into the playoffs is important or not. But it, w- it would have been real momentum. It would have been kind of uh, a good – Thing for this team, especially coming off what's been going on with with the with Brad and the All Star Game, and then also the culture comments, having some positive momentum and, and having the team perform well well at this point would have been important. And then they go out, they play the Warriors, the worst team in the league, like you were saying. And they basically just you know just basically face planted, <laughs> and and it's like how could this happen? They gave up, you know it's just, it was it's a terror. And on top of that, the Warriors Russell is out because of his quote unquote quad, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's AKA. Yeah, they 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 cooking to trade him up. Yeah, they're like, yo, we can't have you come out here spraining your ankle in this game, messing up the money. Like, no, no, sir. So yeah, no, I'm gonna tell you this, man. You 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 actually seem surprised, and I'm surprised that you're surprised because I'm not surprised at all because this is literally everything that embodies hashtag so wizards. I mean, they're playing literally the worst team in the league without one of their best players, in, in a game where, okay, Golden State is literally one of the worst teams in the road on the NBA. The Wizards are building up momentum. And, and, and we talk about, uh, you know, all of the kind of blowback that built around the franchise and the fan base as far as Bill not making the all-star team. Well, you know, the playoff conversation, that didn't come from the fans. That came from Bill. That came from Scott right. Brooks. Like, Scott Brooks said, you know, they gave him an out. Like, yo, are you uh, now that you jump, you know, these other teams, you jump Charlotte, you jump Detroit, he yelled, we chasing Milwaukee. Like, yeah, that's what Scott Brooks <laughs> said at his mouth on, on, on Saturday after uh, beating the Brooklyn Nets. And I understand that, you know, he was probably, you know, feeling himself a little bit. And Brad was definitely feeling himself a little bit, as he should. Like, you know, Brad's been on a tear right now. And even still, like, you know, he dropped 43 points tonight, and this is one of those games. Where, you know, I've been on Bill's bumper the whole season, but tonight I can't put the blame on him. His supporting cast literally did let him down tonight. And so when, when, when I talk about that, I want to talk about this trio of players 
and, and what you might think of what, what, what they are and what they could possibly be. Uh, and that's Gary Payton II, Isak Bunga, and Troy Brown Jr. All right, first I'll start with Troy. Like, all right, Troy, I believe, is on the right trajectory. He's everything that he's been doing has been trending in the right direction. And, you know, I, I mean, tonight was an opportunity for him to kind of step up, and he he really didn't do that. Uh, Isak Bunga, he has, he's had way less production than Troy Brown, but he's been making winning basketball plays, and he's clearly been one of the best defenders on the team. Uh, you know, I, he's, he's 19 years old, 20 years old. Like, I want to see Isak Bunga play. And Gary Payton the second. Man, I don't know, man. It, it might be time to uh, end this Gary Payton the second experiment because, I mean, he he just he just really didn't bring it tonight. And honestly, he really only brings it if he's going up against these elite point guards. It's like you know, and maybe that should be his specialty role. But you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm at the game and I'm really just getting home and I'm decompressing from what I witnessed <laughs> and just being around, like you know, walking around the arena with so much optimism. From you know the the players the the the, the uh, staff you know front office like everybody was like well, you know, this was in a good spot and then for them to come out and lay that egg like that it just I don't know but what what do you think about those trio of players Oz and, and where do you think the Wizards can honestly go as far as playing these guys and thinking they're going to make the playoffs so um. Yeah, let's start with Troy because Troy's Troy's probably of the three that you mentioned. They're definitely the highest profile because he was a first round pick last year. I mean, he's been playing well, like you said. He's he's definitely made a lot of progress for a player who did not play much last year. Um, inexplicably, inexplicably, while the Wizards were going through a tumultuous season, he still didn't get playing time. But you could look at just over the last uh, since January first, at least through the game. But prior to prior to tonight's game, he's been playing about thirty minutes a game, averaging thirteen points seven rebounds and two assists a game. Uh, I think you and I, the last time I was on, we talked, and the role that they have him in on the bench seems like the right role for him. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely a player that is worth developing, and there's definitely a role for him. I still kind of struggle with, like, what his what his ultimate upside is going to be. Um, I'm not sure if I'm seeing someone who's going to be a starter long-term or if I'm seeing someone who's just going to be a high-quality reserve. And, again, with the 15th pick of the draft, if you just get a good sixth, seventh man, I'm not saying anything negative about him. I know when I've tweeted that in the past, when people have reacted strongly, they're like, oh, look at his age, look at this. You know, it's not meant to be an insult. I mean, not every player can be a starter. Good teams have more than five players. And if the Wizards have seven or eight good players down the road, that's a great thing. And I think you could fit in there. I think there's just some limitations to his game that uh, that stand out to him. Like, he doesn't have that at least – Elite athleticism. He's not really an ISO, like a shot creator. He has, and then he's always been pumped up as having point guard skills. We've talked about it. Everyone is, everyone on Wizards is always like, hey, Troy Brown, maybe should get a shot at point guard. Um, one, I think that I thought is kind of, uh, it's kind of misplaced because the Wizards had a, had a player who probably played point guard in a similar way that Troy would kind of just bring it up the floor, get the ball moving and kind of go. Sadarinsky, and they didn't, feel like they they didn't they decided not to pay him so I don't think they're looking for that in their point guard that doesn't mean that again like that doesn't mean that there's not a role for him and I think they've found a nice role a a nice niche for him and he's he's performing well in there but again there's some limitations that I see um and even like uh if you just take it like just looking at a couple of quick stats over here the majority of his of his points are assisted versus unassisted. So he's getting his baskets. I've noticed a lot, like baseline. He'll cut baseline and he'll, exactly. he'll catch him driving right, right. And but that's his that, skill, though. He's he's a good cutter, though. I mean, and that's what yeah. I feel like that's an underrated skill in today's NBA, and it's also a skill that allows him to play on the floor with a ball dominant player such as Brad Bill, or even two ball dominant players such as Bill and Wall. You know, when Wall returns. So yeah, exactly. no, go go ahead, continue, continue though. Yeah, so no, I think those are all good things, and that there's that kind of player can blend into any team. Like he can play with Brad, he can play with John because they are going to dominate the ball. He does have ball handling skills also, so when they're off the floor, 
yes, he could bring it up a little bit, but is he going to take bring the ball up, drive through the paint, drive through the paint, do a lot of pick and roll, and find guys open? I haven't seen that yet. I mean, he does make some nice passes on the break once in a while, but usually when he does have the opportunity to bring it up against a set defense, he'll bring it up to half, bring it up to the top of the key to about the three point line, pick up his dribble, swing the ball, and just get the offense going. Which is mm-hmm. which is not like yeah, that's he's. He's bringing it up. He's initiating, but he's not creating offense. Yeah, he's he, a secondary creator. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, exactly. with you, I'm with you. Go ahead. No, no, yeah. So he's a secondary creator. There's definitely a role for him. Um, but like, yeah, they're they're easing him in, easing him in the way that I think he needs to be eased in. Uh, I know people keep saying, "Oh, he should start. Oh, he's next year's starter." Don't put that on him yet. Let him let him develop in this role and let him just continue to excel in this role. And then, yes, if he gets to that point, great. Uh, if he's also just a good sixth, seventh man, that's also great, you know? Yeah, no, I, hey, I'm with you 100% because, you know, I feel like, you know, in, in today's NBA especially, there there's like these really specialized roles that everybody has to have. And so, you know what I'm saying, Troy Brown, he's never, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, Bradley Bill. He's never going to, you know, have a 30% usage rate and, you know, take, you know, 25 shots. and do, I don't think he's ever going to be that. But he could be a star in his role, and I feel I feel right. like uh, there's a good comparison that you know pre-draft. I feel like a lot of people said that his best comparison or the goal comparison was Andre Iguodala, and that's the type of player that he's you know a, a low usage, just you know high IQ, solid overall basketball player. Now I think the the very uh, you know vast differences between Iguodala and Troy Brown is that Iguodala is an elite athlete. And so, yeah, people, you know, forget about, you know, Iggy in uh, Philly and Iggy in Denver or Eagle Dollar on the, you know, USA basketball team gold medal in 2012. Like, that guy was an athlete, and he's, you know, he he's, dunking, he's doing things that Troy Brown isn't really doing. But, you know, I, I think that Troy, he's been trending in the right direction, but tonight was a missed opportunity for him because, you know, he, 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 he literally made a lot of bad basketball decisions and he it's just just dumb fouls, dumb turnovers. Uh, I don't want to use the word dumb. I hate using that word, but just just mm-hmm. ill-advised things that he was doing. And you know, I actually was uh, uh, sitting next to a uh, uh, NBA lifer, Ed Tapscott, and like uh, you know, I mean, this is you know older older uh, you know black gentleman. He, I mean, the way he was, he was like, oh man, Troy Brown shooting that isolation, jumping the fourth quarter. He was like, man, what is that? Like, if Tapscott is, is saying this, right, you know, I feel like, you know, this is something that he obviously needs to correct. But, you know, I said he was trending in the right direction, but it, it, he wasn't the only one to, to you know, kind of wet the bed tonight. What Isak Bonga, what, what have you thought about him as a player so far and, and his uh, overall potential uh, and, and the fact that, you know, he's not a scorer, so, you know, obviously I understand that, but you know, he, he just didn't make winning basketball plays tonight. So, yeah, tonight was a rough night for him. Um, but overall, I like what I've seen from, from Isak Bonga. I mean, he's he's legitimately, legitimately I, I had the opportunity to be on the floor, um, and I saw him, I think, standing next to, to Wagner. And uh, well, Wagner at one point, and he's pretty much almost his height, I would say. So, I mean, look, he's a – he came in and no one really knew when – he, when he got here, no one really knew much about him. They were like, oh, this guy's a point guard, a tall point guard. I don't, like, I don't think I've seen anything that, that would suggest that he's actually a point guard. He can handle the ball, but I don't see, like, a point guard. But he's – either he's grown or he's just, you know, he was just even taller then. But now he's like a 6'10", 6'9", 6'10", guy, very young still, uh, lengthy, can play – has defensive potential. I'm not going to say can play defense yet, but has defensive potential – and, and I noticed lately he also – sometimes when he gets the rebound, he doesn't wait and he just goes and he exactly. just attacks the basket. And I like when he does that. He's done some Euro steps. He's done some spin moves. And the other thing he's doing also, he's getting comfortable in the corners. The volume isn't there, but the percentages are there, I think. But going into tonight, he was about 40% three. And, again, I don't think he's a 40% shooter. I mean, anyone who's seen him shoot probably is like, no, he's not – you know, that's not his thing. But because he's taking the right shots and he's wide open, he's knocking some down. So as he develops, can he continue to grow in that role? I think he can. Um, Drew Gooden, I know he takes a lot of heat, <laughs> a lot of heat from the fans, and, and people take shots. He did say, I think it was a few weeks ago uh, during a game, he's like, Bonga has Ariza-type potential. But the, And when you look at it, he may not be that off on that. I mean, he has his length. I mean, he's probably he's probably has a you know, wingspan similar. 
defense defensive potential is there. He has to learn to play defense without fouling. And if you get to sit the corner three, you may have someone who could be like an Ariza Light at some point, you know? And I'm I'm right there with you, man, because I see that same uh I you know, I don't listen to a lot of the broadcasts, but yeah, no, Drew Gooden, I mean, yeah, he's definitely spot on with that, with him being that type of player in that type of mold. And I think that, you know, that that's what the uh Wizards see in him as potential and that's the reason why they've been giving him an opportunity to really kinda of play and kinda of work through uh some of those mistakes. Like, you know, he, I mean, this is a guy, literally, I swear, I'm, you know, I said, like, you know, sometimes, like, in the corner of the games, there are times where I can't tell the difference between Bonga and Mahimi. That's just how big he is. Like, he's literally, he's a big dude. Like, these guys, like, they say, oh, they're 6'6", they're 6'7", these dudes ain't really that. Like, Bonga is every bit of 6'8", 6'9". Like, he's tall. Right. And, like, he, I feel like he has a, a physical uh, toolbox that would allow him to be a good defender, but he needs to get that feel for the game and, and and get that in order because that's the reason why he fouls a lot. He doesn't really have a good feel for, you know, playing and being around, uh, you know, playing against, like, elite-level athletes. So, I mean, he's a dude. I, I watch him, and the only thing I keep saying in my mind, I'm like, yo, stay down. Stay down. Keep your feet mm-hmm. down. And he never stays down. Like, yo, <laughs> yeah. like a dude, they'll work, they'll work up. They'll give him a pump fake. They'll give him another pump fake. They're going to get him up in the air, and then they're going to go into the free throw line. You know, so I, mean, I feel like that's one of those things where he just kind of needs to work through as a player. And I really, I'm just thankful. Well, really, he used to be thankful because, you know, the team had so many injuries. They didn't really have any choice, you know, but to play him. So he's really getting afforded an opportunity that Troy Brown wasn't afforded last year. You know, he's he's actually playing a lot of minutes, real NBA minutes. And I know people don't like stats and stuff, but, you know, ESPN's real plus minus has him rated as one of the top small forwards with his, with his play this year. He's playing like 17, 18 minutes a game too. So it's not like – he's played literally in like 40-something games. So it's not even like it's a small sample size. Like this guy, he – He's just on the floor, and he's just doing things. So in that Ariza mode. Now, when you talk about it, can he hit that corner three? That's the real question That's that the question. will kind of determine his feeling as a player. Right. Can he hit that corner three? Can he learn to defend without fouling? And then I think, like you also said, just he, this is just, he didn't play much last year, and even when he played on the Lakers G League team, it seems like he played more part guard. This is a new role that he's kind of developing into. So he has to learn this role. He has to learn the players. I mean, this is his first time through a lot of the guys that he's going up against. He's going to get, like, they're getting his scouting reports. He's going to get theirs. He just has to really get dig into the film, figure out what works, realize how long he is, and, like you said, don't jump and don't, like, overreact when a guy drives and kind of use that length to be disruptive by by kind of sagging off a little bit because he can recover on, on a lot of guys that he's much taller than. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I we can give him all the praise, you know, for the trajectory that he's on and what he could be. But at the end of the day, man, this is a results based business, right. and he laid a dud tonight. So he did. He did. Yeah, hey, he laid, he laid a literally a dud. <laughs> so you know, he's got he's got to take some culpability for tonight. All right, we're gonna finish up with with, with this segment with the last player, uh, Gary Payton II. Uh, I know that you you and I talked about, it, and I think that we were both in agreement on uh, Payton getting the opportunity to play, uh, you know, and make the team over Justin Robinson because he, I mean, he, he showed more over that time period. But I think we're getting to a point right now where I don't know if Gary Payton should be, you know, playing a lot of minutes for the Wizards right now. Yeah, so this is, a, I mean, this team obviously, I, I think he was a reaction to their bad defensive numbers. So they have, they've had bad defensive numbers. They, they found a player on the cheap who can, who can really play defense. And they want him in the lineup because of what he brings in that regard. And that's, that's fine. And it was definitely, I think, good reason to keep him over Justin Robinson, who I don't want to go much back, back into too much Justin Robinson, but he didn't really – he was a long way from developing into someone who was going to see the court consistently for them. Um, but I think, uh, I think uh, what they need to do with Gary Payton with GP2 now is he's not a – he's not – someone who should be really starting and taking major minutes, he should be more of a specialist, I think, in my opinion. So, like, when, what he did against Kyrie Irving, I mean, he really pestered Kyrie Irving over the weekend. I, I don't think Kyrie made a field goal against him. He forced a lot of turnovers against Kyrie. Save him for those matchups. Like, in the fourth, like, save him for if, 
you know, like uh, later on this week, John Morant's coming to town. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if Ja's having like a big first, I mean, uh, yeah, again, if he's having like a big first quarter, big second quarter against ITR-ish, you know, that's what, send Gary, send G, uh, Gary Payton then and uh, just tell him, hey, for, t- for the next 10 minutes, go harass Ja. Go make him work. Go pressure him the entire length of the floor and don't make life easy on him. Save him for that role, but he, he, he is, he doesn't bring enough offensively to have to, to, to be able to carve out a consistent role for this team. And given his age and given kind of – it's not something that should be expected. It's kind of he's a defensive specialist. Let him be a defensive specialist when the matchup calls for it. I'm right. I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, yeah, man, I, I think that uh, they, they, they kind of got caught up in the hype a little bit. And, I mean, shit, man, even DP with this, with what he's not contributing offensively, he's still the best defender on the team. That's because right. this is a team that is, you know, competing for being the, the worst-rated uh, defensive team in, in NBA history. So, you know, I understand what their sentiment is. And, you know, like, when, if, if you look at it from their perspective, they're thinking like, yo, all right, we're, we're, we're like, we're giving up so many points. Let's just put a guy who we know that all he's going to do is play defense into the lineup, and let's just see how it goes. And that was something, that was a strategy that definitely worked when they had limited options as far as, you know, playing time and rotation. But I feel like now now that all the players are back healthy, I feel like, you know, GP should be a specialist, like you said. Like, you know, if they're going up against uh, Kyrie or if they're going up against Ja or, you know, hell, if, if, if DJ Augustine get hot, man, put him on him. Like, you know, so like yeah. the, those type of matchups, I feel like he still Save has that. a role. Exactly, exactly. So he should be playing, like, you know, 12 to 15 minutes a night. Like, that's, that, that should be his role, in my opinion. Yeah, but, no, I totally agree. So, yeah, but we spent a lot of time talking about uh, tonight's game, and it, it was definitely worthy to talk about just because of the disappointment surrounding it. But I feel like there is a bigger wizard story kind of looming right now. And I feel like we need to uh, spend some attention on that. So I'm going to take a quick break right here. And on the other side of that, we're going to talk about a little uh, trade deadline chatter going around surrounding the wizard. All right, uh, man. So I feel like, yeah, we, we set people up, uh, if, if you uh, were into the disappointment, you know, I, I'm sorry that we went kind of long talking about the game, but, you know, we're just kind of passionate about the fact that the team laid an egg. But I feel like there is a more pressing overall big picture Wizard news that uh, we need to talk about right now, and that's like uh, the Wizards. There's actually like some tangible rumors and things out there as far as what the Wizards could do at the trade deadline. And uh, I'm going to give a big shout-out to my guy, Nick Bilka, who uh, I mean, he must have listened to the podcast as soon as it dropped because he, he posted it like about 9.30 a.m., 10 a.m., like, yo, Windhorse just said the Wizards trying to get Tristan Thompson. I'm like, what? So, yeah, and that really kind of set off this, uh, you know, chain of events. You know, I, and I, I did my own research going into the arena and talking to, uh, you know, whoever it is that I talked to down there. But, yeah, I, I kind of heard the same thing that, you know, that there have been some talks that that is, an option that is on the table right now. What do you feel about Tristan Thompson, and and do you think that's a, a, a viable or smart move that the Wizards should be making right now? It, that's a tough one. Um, so Tristan Thompson is a solid basketball player. I mean, people like to take shots at him for various reasons that we don't need to all get into right now. But Tristan Thompson is a good is a good basketball player. He he does things well that this team like he rebounds. He he dominated this team earlier this year when when Cleveland came to Washington. Mm-hmm. He's a physical player inside. He plays defense. He's not necessarily the classic quote unquote like rim protector. He's not someone that's going to go come weak side and just kind of clean up a shot at the a shot of, a shot attempt at the rim. Uh, what he can do though, however, is when he can get on the perimeter because he is, yeah, when he gets switched up. Or let's just take it back. Like back in the day, when like or a lot of the centers that we've had here, like Gortat, um, even Mihimi now, when they get switched up on a guard on the perimeter, it's barbecue like, oh. chicken. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's like, uh oh, I'm like, exactly. oh, this, this is this is going south quick. He can get switched out, and he could he could play like he could guard his guy. Now, will he give up a basket on that? Sure, he's not going to lock anyone down over there, but he's not going to embarrass himself there either. He's 
a solid basketball player. He is, um, he will definitely help. He would be an upgrade to the team. That being said, there are a couple other, it's a tough one with this one, because on one hand, he's an upgrade to the team, but on the other hand, he's an expiring contract. They would have his bird rights, so they would have the opportunity to go over the salary cap to re-sign him. And what would the compensation be? So those are a bunch of questions out there. Um, I've gone back and forth on this. It really, uh, look, it, I think in any scenario, I think where I definitely stand is this. If they give up a first-round pick, I would hate it. And I, I, you know, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I would want this first-round pick going out for anyone at this point. Maybe you could wait till after the lottery is done and kind of figure out how things fall if you like the board. At that point, what, what have you. But at this point, definitely not. Um, if the cost is literally nothing where they, they're saying – Look, we just want to get an asset for Tristan Thompson before he walks in the summer. Trade us Mahimi, trade us a second-round pick. That's a different story. Again, you can make the argument that, hey, the Wizards should be collecting assets, not giving them out. But there's definitely additional things at play here. Um, you know, keeping, keeping, like, are they doing this to make a run for the playoffs? Are they doing this to get his bird rights because they see him as a long-term piece? Or are they doing this to keep Brad happy? Brad happy. Exactly. See? There we go. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, hey, this is, hey, this is how we know we have that, uh, that, that, that same kinetic energy right now. Yes, you sir. see what I see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the timing, the timing can't be, the timing is definitely peculiar because everyone going into the season was like, this is a year of patience. This is a year of development. There's Brad is being quoted as saying this during the season. Then you had the kind of the post game, the post game comments in Chicago. And then you have the frustration over the all-star game and, and the comments. Hey, no, that came. All right. Yeah, Bart- Bartlestein, the Asian comment. Like, all right. And we, hey, we, I feel like we should definitely talk about that because there's a very much underlying thing going on with that, within that statement, what he, what was said and the the leverage play, the power play that they're doing right now. But oh, uh, yeah. all right, now go ahead. You, you, so like what you're saying, yeah, there is definitely more in play, and the timing is peculiar because they're finally getting Thomas Bryant back, and his minutes are up now finally. And Mo Wagner came back today. So if you're thinking, like, why would they? It's just it's, the timing is is weird. So it definitely goes back to them, like you said, Mark Bartlestein kind of blames Brad's not making the All-Star game. Well, he blamed the coaches, but he said the reason he blamed the coaches was because Brad did not go, did not jump bandwagons. And, and in essence, look, we're just keeping it real here. He basically threw, his, threw Brad's teammates under the bus. Exactly. Saying, if they were better teammates, Brad would have a better record. And he exactly. The that he the said they're penalizing him because he didn't go play for a better team. Because the team, we, because he basically insinuated that everybody knows the team that he's on ain't no good. And the guys he's playing with ain't no good. So, you know, I mean, that's that's essentially what he did. And, hey, you know what? There's a lot of people out there who agree with him. And, you know what? I, I think that, uh, you know, Brad's team at Brad could have some better guys. Like, there was literally a time period where the Wizards were fielding a roster comprised of mostly G League players. So, right. I mean, Brad, Brad you know, he, he, there's some validity there. And But really, the I think the, the thing that needs to be talked about is, it's kind of like the the power struggle, not power struggle, or really it's a it's a it's a power move. It's a chess move from Mark Bartlestein and Brad because they know they knew when they signed that extension, and I've talked about this before. Everybody got all up in arms about him signing the extension. If you look at the details of that extension, that extension was really a glorified insurance policy. Like you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying they, like he could have signed for five more years. He signed basically for a one and one. He signed for one extra year uh, on top of the, the two years that he already had still left with the team. So in all actuality, he knew that he could position himself exactly how he has right now, that, you know, as soon as Brad's eligible to be traded this summer, he 100% could go to management and say, yo, I want to be out, blah, blah, blah. And they will probably facilitate that because he has that much pull and that much respect within the organization, and they want to do right by him. But at the end of the day, he also has the power to kind of dictate some of their transactional moves that are going on right now. And so if he's looking at it from a pure perspective of, all right, I didn't make the all-star team because we're not winning enough games. How can I win enough games? Oh, if we bring in Tristan, then, you know, maybe, I don't know. Like, and I feel like there's a question that I don't know because 
I don't know whether Brad wants Tristan or not, but I feel like that would be a big question that I would want to know. Like, I mean, Tristan is an upgrade. Let, let's keep it real. Tristan Thompson, he's he's younger than Mahimi. He is a much better – these are the things that I looked at, that he's better than Mahimi and that he could tangibly help the Wizards, his defensive rebounding and his screen setting. Mm-hmm. Like, I think those are two tangible things that could help the X's and O's day-to-day process for Brad. Like, that will make – them playing basketball easier. So, I don't know. But, I mean, who knows? Is Tommy Shepard trying to trade for uh, uh, Tristan and then sign him in the offseason? I will say that Tristan is represented by Rich Paul. He's a clutch sports client. And John Wall is also represented by yep. Rich Paul. He's a clutch sports client. So, exactly. I'm sure I'm sure that Tommy has talked to Rich <laughs> within the last <laughs> – <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm not – I'm not replying. I don't know. I didn't – I ain't even see Tommy tonight. That's how I know he's really working. So, <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure that he's been in contact with Rich to try to figure this out. And I'm sure that if he trades for Tristan, that, you know, they're going to have something worked out. So I don't know how this is going to play out. But I do think, as Candace Buckner, you know, uh, an esteemed Washington Post uh, reporter reported, that, you know, she's hearing the same thing. So this – Tristan Thompson news buzz is is something that's not dying down. It's not going to die down. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, hey, but luckily, yeah, we have this deadline on Thursday. So, well, we got like, what, 72 hours until it goes down? It's just, yeah, it's just an interesting move from a few, from you, like, because when, when, uh, when Tommy Shepard came in and got the job and talked about why he didn't re-sign a lot of the players last year, uh, Ariza, Portis, Parker, that list. <clears throat> One of the reasons he cited was he did not want to leverage all their all their money capped out and just to be capped out to be like a forty forty five eight seed type team. He wanted higher upside. So you, you, if you trade for Thompson, they're not trading him. I doubt they're trading for him just to be a rental. They're trading uh, trading for him to at least to acquire his bird rights and to be able to go over the cap resign because they're they're going to have to operate as an above the cap team and they're a little stuck because. They'll have bird rights for Bertans. They'll have their pick, and then there's that gap between the cap and the tax line. But they don't have exceptions to get to put anyone in there. So they have mm-hmm. to they have to shift some salary out, maybe take some salary in. Trading for someone like Thompson or trading for someone who's on a fixed contract going forward gives them the flexibility to do that. What? Um, but let's just kind of just playing around with some numbers. I was like I was like messing around with when when I heard this the, the news out there that they're interested. And, like, if you sign him for, say, like, $15 million, just round numbers, and if you sign Bertans for about the same number, and then you get, a, you get your pick, your lottery pick, that's pretty much your team. So your team going forward, you're, up, you're pretty much right there against the tax line. So your team going forward is going to be Wall-ish at point guard, Beal, Matthews, Troy Brown, wherever you view him, at point guard, as shooting guard, a small forward. Again, Brown, Hachimura, Thompson, Bertans. I'm a, I imagine they're going to move one of the centers if Thompson comes, maybe not in the deal, but in a subsequent deal because there's no point in really having Thompson, uh, Thomas Bryant, Mo Wagner, no point in really having all three. So one, one of the younger ones will probably be moved for an asset. <clears throat> but um, so that's really that's, – you're locking yourself into that core. And how good is that core? Uh, that's, that's why I can't get my arms around. Well, I mean, I feel like the ceiling of that core really depends on how good is John Wall. So, you know, I mean, if John Wall comes back and he's like the guy that he was, you know, a couple of years ago and he's an all-NBA caliber player and you add in Bill, you know, that team can do some things. So, but, you know, I I, I They're definitely that, a playoff team. That, that's no doubt. That's, that would definitely exactly. be a playoff team. Definitely a playoff team, for sure. So, I think, yeah, the, the question that you're really asking is, you know, uh, or not the question, but the thing that you're really pointing out that I didn't really think about is that really this is just another mechanism for them to be able to create another roster space. Because let's just say they don't do anything with that Mahimi contract and they just let it ride out. And, I mean, they're not going to try to re-sign Mahimi to, like, with his bird rights. I don't think that's – I mean, maybe on a league minimum, but, you know, they could do that anyway if they wanted to. Like, this gives them a mechanism to be able to, you know, go over the cap and sign Tristan Thompson, and, you know, it's a dual thing because, you know, it, it allows them to give them this player, which is an upgrade over, you know, the, the guys that they have playing the current position, but it also gives them more flexibility of creating this, you know, tradable asset as well. 
So, you know, they, now that you have, let's say, hypothetically, they signed Tristan Thompson to a, you know, 13 to $15 million deal. Now they also have this other 13 to $15 million contract that they could, you know, trade in the future. So, you know, I, I think that if this is a move that Tommy Shepard, this is, this is really another one of those very, like, just nibble on the crust of the pizza, like, fringe moves that Tommy is really becoming an expert at. And, you know, you got to build up on these before you can really take that big bite. And I, right now I just don't see a, 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 an avenue for the Wizards to take that big bite, that big chance to roll the dice right now. But right. maybe in the, in the summertime, maybe, you know, that's possible. Right now I just don't see it. That, yeah, that's what, that is where they're stuck. And actually it's, it's interesting. I, um, years ago, this was years ago, I was in a chalk talk at, at the stadium with Tommy Shepard, Tommy Shepard was doing the talk, uh, chalk talk. This was a long time ago. I'd say uh, it was before they, when they had uh, Richard Lewis, and he had his partially guaranteed contract. One of the, it was like a contract that was guaranteed through a date in June or July, and then it was the only 50% guaranteed. So the team that acquired the contract could cut him and save all that money. And then mm-hmm. they went out and used that to get a reason in A. So it's it's not exactly like that because but it's using Mahimi to kind of operate it's basically signing your free agent or whoever you'd want to get on the market early via, exactly via right mm-hmm. and they've done this in the past this has been called now some people on twitter today were calling this like a grunfeld type move move if they were to give a first round pick i would agree i don't think it's a grunfeld type move if they give up nothing like if they give up a second round pick and you can always buy a second round pick later it, if they, exactly yeah I don't yeah. see that I, I'm way. I'm going to say this. The irony, this will be pure irony. If they gave up the second round pick they acquired, uh, from the, from the Bulls for that, mm-hmm. for, for that auto porter trade. Everybody's always talking about, we ain't getting up, we ain't getting nothing back from that trade. <laughs> if they use that second round pick for this trade and they make it happen, and this would be a real ironic, full circle, uh, Seinfeld esque moment. <laughs> it would. It would. Now again, the question becomes like, even with the Nene, uh, with the Nene and Ariza trade, the uh, people who criticize it were like, okay, the Wizards did get better, but how much better? And that team uh, backed out. Good, as, they got good they got enough good. to make to the playoffs to, you know, really scare some teams. If right. it wasn't for some unfortunate injuries that they had, like, you know, I, man, hey, that, that 2015 Wizards team with Wallbrook and Sand, that team was dangerous. Now, that team you know, was. That, that team, yeah. That, that team, team was dangerous. That was dangerous. Now, the 2017 versus Boston, that, that team blew it, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, like, I'm keeping it real. You know, we we keep it all the way real on this we podcast. Do. We <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think that I, I'm glad that, you know, you have done the your homework here as far as the capologist uh, work. Like, I think that, you know, with the way that you presented, I'm even more of a fan now of them going out and getting uh, Tristan Thompson if, if they were to do this deal. If they, hey man, if they, if they can get Mahimi's contract uh, and a second-round pick, and, you know, I'm sure they might have to make some other, you know, subsequent move or something because that will kind of put them in a tricky spot as far as the tax line because uh, Thompson actually makes a couple million dollars more. Like I think it's like $2.7 million more that uh, – Thompson makes them Mahimi, and I think the Wizards are actually like 3.1 under the uh, the 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 tax line, the luxury tax line. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, I could bet, I can bet you, I'll bet any amount of money that Ted is not about to pay the tax this year. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is no way that he is going to pay the tax for a 17 no, win team. <laughs> exactly, there's no possible way. So you know, they're they're going to figure it out. There might be some other moves. Um, so I, I, you know, this this move actually has legs. I don't know if it's exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, I, I think that you know, it's very much a possibility. There, there were some other things that were kind of thrown around on Wizards Twitter. Uh, there were two other big men uh, names that came up. I want you to very quickly tell me, what do you think about uh, the Wizards possibly, hypothetically, trading for either Miles Turner or Clint Capella? So Miles Turner, I think he's kind of a player that Wizards Twitter – like I've noticed, there have been conversations about him going on all season, uh, especially with House of Bonus is playing in Indiana, and, and it's basically a speculation that at some point they're going to move, they're going to move him because they cannot have that much spent at one position for two players, and they could use him to get an asset, another asset maybe on the wing that Indiana could use. Um, the player, I, I, just timing wise, I, I just can't see. I mean, Indiana has a good record there. 
Look, no, they, I don't no think way. they're going to win the West. I don't think they're going to win the East, but there's no reason that they shouldn't think they can win the East. No so, reason why they should. No reason. <laughs> right. So there's no reason to do this this year. The Wizards can't offer them anything that this year they could plug in and play and be better than what Miles Turner gives them. <clears throat> the Wizards give, give them Davis Bertans, but I don't think they have any interest in doing that. But even if they did, he helps a little bit, but you're losing a lot by giving a Miles Turner. So can they revisit? He, he's a player that they could revisit with Indiana in the summer. As they kind of see how their season ends. And at that time, they make kind of a bigger, kind of just a higher, higher decision, like an organization-wide decision. Okay, we have to move on from one of the centers. We're going to move him. Draft is here. Let's we like this X player in the draft. Now is the time to make that type of move. So I think the cost for him is going to be higher than I, I imagine it would be for Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson, we're talking about Jan Mahimi's expiring and a second round pick. As the most, I think you or I would be comfortable giving up in a trade for him. Miles Turner, you're not going to get for that. They'll laugh at you. They'll never pick up your phone. They'll block. You know, they'll block uh, Tommy Shepard's number from ever calling them again. <laughs> He's gonna. He's going to cost them their first round pick, likely, and and a young player, and maybe two young players. Um, <clears throat> he's a good, I think he's a good mobile rim protector. He can shoot the three, so he really fits the modern game well. Um, he is not the greatest rebounder, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, so that's really an issue. Like, so you, you're getting a you're getting a rim protector, you're getting someone who can stretch the floor, you're getting someone who, who's mobile and can really be disruptive. But he can't clean up the glass, and you already don't really have the best rebounding power forward in Rudy, and you're a small team around in general. So there's a little bit of a weakness there. And he's shooting sub-50% because of, like, I guess a lot of his attempts are away from the paint. He's not like the, the rim runner. Like we see, we see Thomas Bryant just dive to the rim off his picks. He's not going to play that type of game where he's going to continually just dive to the rim and just be high efficiency there. He's going to pop out to the three-point line and just try to hit it from there. And yeah, is, that, that, is, is that a, like a, a subject of him playing in an offense with like uh, Sabonis, who is literally I mean, Sabonis shoot like eighty percent around the rim? Like, yo, they he yeah. that's his area because he don't miss. So, like, you know, like Turner, he he can't even eat down there because you know the space of that just doesn't work. So, I feel like he's a player that if he played in a different role, he could be different. And like you said, the two skill sets that he has that he's shown is proven that he can defend the rim. And he can, you know, semi shoot the three as a as a big man. So I, I like Turner, man. I, I think yeah, he's a guy he would that be. Look at. He would be especially next to the players that we have. You can make up for a lot of the defensive mistakes that are happening around him. Um, and I, yeah, he would be a great fit if he can, if they could get him. His contract is not too much more than what I think it's about twenty million a year, which he's he's due to make, and he's under contract for the next three years. Uh, so it's a contract that they could. It will be tight, but if if your first round pick's going out, um, it's, it would basically be the equivalent of what Tristan Thompson and their first round pick would cost. So, definitely could work. Definitely would be a great fit next to Rui as the four and the five on the team, and would play the modern game. And then, look, you still would have a high efficiency rim runner, like kind of rim runner. Like I'm assuming, if they were no matter what center they trade for, you're going to keep either Wagner or Bryant. Um, and both of them can kind of still play that role where they dive to the rim off the pick. And, you know, last year and this year, Brian's efficient, and same with Wagner. Wagner is very is a highly efficient one of them. I think at one point he had the highest, one of the highest field goal percentages in the league at the rim. So you're, you would still have that element while you would have a great defensive anchor on the team. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think it would be a good pickup, man. I, I mm-hmm. honestly do. But I honestly think that, I don't think it's an option right now. I don't think that right. Indiana is going to trade right now. Indiana is not going to do that, especially exactly. for our players who can't help them this year. It's just from a from just a basic logical standpoint, like they owe it to themselves and to their fans to go to make a run with the guys they got. Like they like why would you trade before you even like really attempt it with the with the team that they put together? And you got Oladipo coming back. You got Brogdon, who you know low key he's been playing like a. a, a, mm-hmm. a almost also really on that same level as uh, Spencer Dinwiddie this year. And then you got Sabonis, who was an actual all-star. I mean, they, they have some pieces. And Nate McMillan has that team playing tough. They play defense. So I, I think any rumors that you hear about, like, Turner being available, I, I don't know. I, I'll believe it when I see it because I just honestly think that they owe it to themselves to, to see what they can do with that current unit. Now, maybe after th- this summer, it might be a totally different story. So we'll, right. we'll, 
We'll see how it plays out. Well, uh, Clint Capella, what, what do you think about him as a player? I mean, similar similar to uh, to Miles Turner in terms in terms of he's a good rebounder. I mean, he's averaging what is it, thirteen and thirteen or fourteen and fourteen. He's he's going to clean up the glass. He's a better rebounder than again we're talking about where Turner is, but again, is Turner's rebounding impacted somewhat by Sabonis kind of eating up some of that space. Uh, but he, he's going to help you on the glass. He's going to protect the rim. He does not give you the three-point shooting that Miles Turner gives you. Uh, and it's just uh, – it's a little uh, – he he doesn't have a terrible contract. Um, it's about, I think, uh, in that 15 to $17 million range. Yeah, es- escalating, though, going up. It is year. escalating. So it's going to get a little painful the last few years, but it's not like a an, enc- an encumbersome contract. So why does Houston want to give him up so badly, which is a little – it's curious. Because um, they don't need him, that's why. Like, cause, I mean, really, at the end of the day, unless you got one of the top five centers, then you know that makes a difference. Otherwise, man, just get you a guy who can go out there and run and and do some things. Like Clint Capella, he's a good he's a good center, but you know, if Houston, the rate they looking for, that I'm telling you, that the stuff they talking about with Houston, they looking to get draft picks so they can flip it, do some other. Like we're not giving them no first round draft for Clint Capella, so that's right. You know what I'm saying? That, that that's out. Maybe Boston might, maybe some other team might, you know, get bamboozled into it. But I, I just don't see the Clint Capella thing as being a viable option for the Wizards no, right and, now. Right, and going back to where we were talking about Turner, yes, we would. I think both you and I would both consider giving our pick up for Turner in the summer, but by then we know where the pick is, and we know exactly. we, we know what else might be on the table uh, via free agency. There, there's just a lot more in play than, you know, who we want to trade. Right To get Kun Capella, you probably have to do it now. And now, at this point, I would definitely have, I would be totally uncomfortable trading our first-round pick at this point not knowing where it's going to land and not seeing how the whole draft class flushes out, even though it's called like a weak draft or every draft, a lot of drafts, unless they're star studded are called weak drafts. And yet every year they find a bunch of starters out of every single one. You know, last year's draft they were calling weak and now Tyler Hero, who was taken 13 or 14, is, is considered untouchable. So exactly, yeah, you can find yeah. players, you know? Yeah, man, you can always find players. And so, yeah, man, I, I, I'm right there with you. I don't like uh, giving up assets right now, uh, draft picks especially, you know, without knowing where they are. But, you know, I, I'm, I trust in Thomas Shepard that he, that, you know, a lot of that chatter, that that's really, you know, that's just noise. But, you know, I'm really focusing on this uh, Tristan Thompson thing. I think that's a, a, a situation that all of Wizards' Twitter needs to monitor over the next couple of days, though. But, you know yeah, it's, on the Thompson front, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how Thomas Shepard handles it because the moves that he made earlier, like all the moves that he made, they've, yes, he's operating kind of on the fringes. He's making a lot of nice small moves that are getting them assets. This is going to be a major decision. It's going to be, yeah, he's playing kind of with using the leverage of Mahimi's contract and, and he's probably going to hand, like, you know, see if he, could get, if he could kind of outlast Cleveland's desire to probably get a good asset and see if he could get Tristan Thompson on the cheap. <clears throat> But it's just the whole dynamic of, of are they capping their upside and are they doing this to appease Brad Beal? And it's just like kind of how that, like, you know, how that fits the vision that they pitched at the beginning of the season versus now. And then it's just like a question of is, and I, let me ask you this, is this, is that even kind of the right, it's hard to say that it's the right or the wrong move because yes, you have signed Brad, but he does have leverage. And if you want to build around him, you got to keep him happy. You can't have him unhappy. Otherwise, you have to trade him this summer. So what do you really, you know, do you make a move to keep him happy? Or, you know, like, is this going to be an interesting decision? Because this is, this is the first true it's difficult a, decision if it's to appease Brad. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'll say this. It's a Venn diagram. Brad, lucky that, you know, it just so happens to be a good financial decision because it, it creates another asset, another contract. Uh, it's also an upgrade basketball wise, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and if and if Brad make it, you know, it's really the cherry on top. So you know, like if this is if if that's what he wants, then the other factors make this like a defensible, logical decision for them to make. So I'm, I'm I, like I said, I'm not mad. Like you really like yeah. I was kind of iffy about it before, but the way you presented it with the contract. Like, yo, I didn't, you know, getting, acquiring his bird rights and being able to go over the cap to re-sign him. And when I just sitting here just thinking about, oh, I was like, oh, who is his agent? I was like, oh, I know who his agent is. Rich Paul. <laughs> oh, okay, that's Walls. Okay, yeah, I see what's going on here. Like, so, hey, if he's able to do that, like, 
like I said, I'm sure that Tommy is going to be talking to Rich. So if this deal goes down, though, he Tommy ain't going to be left out the dry right here. So you know, I, I got faith in that. So you know, we'll, yeah. Like I said, we'll see. It's still all, until it's official. It's all chatter. But the chatter that Brian Windhorst started on uh, Wizards Twitter earlier today, you know that 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 you know apparently has some legs. So we'll, we'll yeah. see how this all plays out. Uh, and let me actually ask you one more question about that. So if and I know it's a topic we've talked about. If they do make this trade, they're clearly that, – that's clearly a signal that they want to compete now and they want to just win as many games as possible. If you're doing that, does IT stay in the starting lineup? I mean, I don't know. It's something going, it's something going on with the IT thing that I can't explain. Like I said, man, I'm tapped in. I ask a lot of questions, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I can't figure the IT thing out. I don't know. So and it's not something that I want to push. So, you know, yeah. hey, I just let, I, I, I just let them, you know – Wear this thing out until the until the wheels fall off. <laughs> but uh, Oz, man, I greatly appreciate you for coming on and, and doing this. Uh, hey, man, we're doing going an hour right now. This is a, a mega trade deadline preview for for the Wizards. So, <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate this, man. Like, no, this, man, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it was, it, yeah, had a blast as usual. Of course, of course, man. You know, after you didn't had a long day, had had your son out working out, you on your Levar Ball out here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I just asked him a quick question. I'm like, hey, do you think that jump shot was going to go in? He's like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, it, it didn't feel right. I was like, oh, it didn't? Okay, well, let's go back out there. Hey, that there was, you go. There you, you know, go. He, made, hey. he made the mistake of saying that to me. Was, hey, but you know what, though? That's a good thing because he said that he wanted to do it. So, hey, I, I respect <laughs> it. I respect it. Odds, man. But, hey, I greatly appreciate it, man. We're going to, uh, you know, of course, continue the discourse on Twitter uh, yes, per usual. And, uh, yeah, but we'll see how this all plays out, man. It's really a countdown. So Thursday at 3 p.m., we'll, we'll, we'll know how this all plays out. It's going to be fun. All right, man. Thank you. All right, Troy. Thanks. Chilling back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit that don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking it, try getting pants. Label money, I just tell in advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a stripper like fuck. They just trying to make some bucks. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we'll be on the same team. I want a baller like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, she was shot for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring.